Let's put the rad in radical. If you're looking to expand your life, then you've come to the right place. We're Amanda, Ali, and Reina, and each week we're setting the scene to level up our everyday lives in all areas. Mindset, lifestyle, community, and more. And we want you to come with. Welcome everybody to today's episode. We are so excited if you couldn't tell from this high vibe already stepping into minute one of the episode. We have a special guest with us, the amazing Ashley Ray, and we're so excited to take the time to sit down with you today. Ashley Ray is the founder of and CEO of Mala Collective. If you haven't checked out Mala Collective on Instagram, you need to head over there right now. Her company, yeah, see, if you see the little video, Allison uh, is actually rocking one of the amazing Mala Collective necklaces. And her company works with artisans in Asia, from Bali to India to Nepal, to create products uh, supporting a mindfulness and meditation practice, which is super important, I think maybe now more than ever. Um, basically from mala beads to crystal kits to cushions, she's basically operating with this vision to help us set intentions, carry that with us for the day and really embrace a mindfulness practice that's realistic for real life. So um, we are so grateful to have you here, Ashley. I know that you are in Vancouver, which is really cool. Um, it's a bit of a rainy Tuesday, but we're hunkering down with you to chit chat all about Mala Collective and your journey. So um, thanks for being here. Thank you. That was quite the intro. <laughs> I feel very impressed and in deep gratitude. So thank you so much. That's so kind. It's always a, a bit of a trip or a bit wild to hear somebody share about you to you. So it's uh, very For humbling. Sure. Very grateful. Thank you. You're very welcome. We're, we're glad to have you. And I mean, I think, you know, our listeners always love to learn um, our guests all about them, where they're from, um, how their journey got started. So maybe that's where we can kick off is where are you from and, and how did this amazing, you know, chapter in your life start? What were the real beginnings of Ashley Ray? Oh, the beginnings of Ashley Ray. <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Um, well, I'll start with, you know, the entrepreneurial journey and how I came to be that because before I, I was a journalist. I was a journalist for about six years and I used to cover murder trials. So I don't think it could have been any more opposite. Uh, and I remember sitting in a Starbucks one day writing my first piece about meditation and thinking, oh, this is so much better. <laughs> I really enjoy this so much more. Um, so I, I was a journalist, I, I won a national award and it was a really heavy, um, I'm not sure why I'm telling you this, but for some reason I feel called to, I, it was a really heavy trial that I covered and I felt that I had reached this really interesting peak of human experience of witnessing what humans are capable of, um, watching you know jurors have to witness this i just i just felt com uh, compelled to leave journalism after this experience not really knowing what was next and my partner and i at the time went backpacking i guess you could say it was like a quarter life crisis we're in our early 20s and ended up in bali and we fell in love with these beautiful mala beads that allison that you're wearing right now and we kept going back and buying them realizing that the different gemstones have different healing qualities associated with them that you can use them in a tool uh, in your meditation practice. I wasn't into meditation at that time. I was curious about it, but it wasn't really a day-to-day -day thing for me. Um, we were flying from Bali to Thailand, had all these malas with us, and the woman came up to us on the plane and said, hey, your aura is so beautiful. Can I sit and talk to you? And she ended up being the woman that made the beads that we had bought. So it was very, very serendipitous 
very beautiful uh, introduction into this new world. Um, you know, she, she told us, her guru said, get these beads to the West, they embody peace. The West needs peace the most. We said, oh, cool, we're from the West, we dig peace, we'll help you. So it was very, very naive, very playful, very fun. Um, and you know, whenever I tell that story, I'm aware how beautiful it is. I'm aware of the magic in that moment. And I've definitely received feedback of, I wish something would fall into my lap like it fell into yours. And I understand where people are coming from when they say that. But what I offer back is, you know, how many moments do you have throughout the day that you meet people that could change your lives and you could change theirs? And how many serendipitous, beautiful interactions do we have with people that we don't follow through with or we don't trust or we don't let go of control? We don't have the patience. You know, it really, it re requires so many um, layers of surrendering to pursue an interaction. And, you know, we're celebrating our ninth year of Mala Collective this month, which is just you know, amazing sharing that story. It's, it's wild. Thank you. I, I think it's, it is actually quite significant to share that story with you in this moment, knowing that, you know, this week, the team's reflecting, I was going back to our first photos of, of learning to start a business and all of the tears I cried and, you know, all the fears I had about not understanding business. And I think um, I never could have created or manifested or envisioned this path or this moment right now. Um, so I think it's, yeah. Just a moment of serendipity. I had chills as you're sharing that story, which after you were like, no, I realize how awesome this is. I was like, oh yeah, she really is. This is how awesome. I don't have to tell her about my goosebumps anymore. But I, I, you said the, the phrase, you know, people think that it just kind of fell, or I wish it would fall into my lap. And you also said the sense of, you know, no, it's a, it's a surrender that has to happen. So mm. I have a question for you that we didn't even write down and it just popped up, mm. but I, you left journalism a solid mm. career or a solid income probably to kind of go and pursue this thing that people mm. probably looked at as like, holy shit, what is Ashley doing? You know what I mean? Mm. And so I want to kind of know what fear did you come across in that process? What roadblocks did you come? I, and I know there's probably mm. so many, so many, yeah. but how like, I'm like shaking for you thinking of like just <laughs> dropping that to go for it. You know what I mean? So what went through your, your brain? So that's a beautiful question. When we came back to Canada, uh, we actually got our jobs back. So I went back to being an editor um, and we were living outside of Vancouver and I was coming into the city every week and just became exhausting. And there was this moment, I often get asked the question, when do you know to go all in when, when you're an entrepreneur? And my moment was when I realized, you know, I'm out here talking about self-love, care, uh, mindfulness, and I hated everybody and everything because I was so tired. <laughs> I was so, I was not living aligned with the values that I was speaking. So that was kind of my, oh, I need to, I need to make a change here. Um, but, but that fear, that moment, it was such a breaking point. It, I think that there's oftentimes uh, we are our own backup plans. And if there's enough faith and enough courage and enough belief that you future you has current you future you has present you every past version of you is inside of you pushing you forward um, there is this belief that i i am my safety net and what's the worst thing that's going to happen and that that's my own internal process and to be fair i i didn't have kids i didn't have a, a mortgage this is a very different time in my life um you know i i do hear often well i can't do that because i have this 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 i hear that and i get that i i empathize with feeling we can't take that leap because we might have other commitments um but i do believe when we go 
um, all in on something that we'll figure it out. We'll land in some form. Like I, again, like I never could have imagined I'd be here talking to you today or doing half the things that I do. So it wasn't um, a path that I knew of in front of me, but then everybody around me was saying, are you insane? Are you nuts? You met a hippie and you're leaving your career. So yes, I think the external feedback, um, it's really easy to get sidetracked by those things. And it's, it's people's fears, but it's really their love because they don't want to see you fail because they care about you and they love you. Uh, so I took those in. I said, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you. And I'm still going to do it. I'll figure it out. So it's, um, it sounds very brave now. I'm like, oh, way to go, younger Ashley. <laughs> That's so cool of you. Um, but I, I still kind of, you know, we are safety nets. I, I believe in that. Well, the three of us were taking notes like nobody's business. And I'm like, like going, mic drop, mic drop. Um, I just feel that you must have a really good kind of gut check, like the, the, the feelings in your gut. And then, I don't know, my question is just like, how did you read yourself? If the, does that make any sense? I don't even know. Like I'm listening to what you just said and that I am my own backup plan and that I need to listen. And I think the three of us have had multiple conversations revolving around where do we go? What does this mean? What is this? And I just hear you saying that you really instinctively could read your own gut. And I feel very disconnected sometimes from my, what I'm trying to tell myself. And I'm wondering if you... Was there a pivotal moment in your life that you realized that your gut used something you should listen to? Is it a, was it starting to get into meditation? Was it starting to ask deeper questions? Like what, what was a changing point that you could kind of help us please? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. So many things are going off in my head and thank you. That's a really vulnerable question and really beautiful share. Thank you. Um, you know, I would say the first layer was just sheer curiosity. Um, I didn't know an entrepreneur was a job. I didn't realize it was a thing people could do. I didn't Google it. <laughs> I had no idea of what could go wrong. So I think the sheer naivety helped me. Um, and I definitely had a lot of people say, oh, you can't do it that way. I was like, oh, I'm going to do it that way. <laughs> really, really well, <laughs> actually. <laughs> uh, so maybe a little bit of um proving with naivety and just curiosity uh so i think those things you know definitely intuition and gut checking i hear you on that it's a curious question i'm taking an intuition class right now um on how to align more with our intuition and i think from what i understand in this course and what i what i understand in my life is we all have intuition and we all have these hits and these downloads and these moments but oftentimes we discredit ourselves and we take the power from ourselves. Um, and the coach I'm working with talks a lot about, you know, the analytical mind doesn't want to believe those intuitive hits. It wants something so tangible and so real. So if I had to have a business plan, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't, I didn't have anything tangible or analytical behind me in the creation of it. It was more of this free flowing feminine divine connection to this is such a cool journey how beautiful that the universe gave me this person and wow mindfulness is really interesting i have a lot of questions about this i bet other people have questions about it oh a lot of people are telling me not to do it that's okay i still really like it and it brings me a lot of joy i think that the the underlying curiosity was so motivating for me uh, and i think that that you know i used to call it nosiness as a journalist i got paid to be nosy <laughs> 
And then I got um, all these really unfeminine qualities of wanting too much and pushing too fast. And for too much, um, we're actually really beautiful gifts as an entrepreneur. So I feel that I had these moments of dropping in of, ooh, all these things that I was told are wrong or bad or unfeminine are actually assets in this really cool journey I'm on. Um, and I would say maybe the last share on that intuitive gut check, and I'm sure we'll get there on the conversation. The biggest barriers I had in business was just incredibly crippling self-doubt. Absolutely every night in tears, I am not good enough to run this business. I am not this enough. I am not that enough. I didn't have a business degree. I didn't go to this school. I don't know this person through it. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything. And while that naivety served me in so many ways, it was so debilitating. And I, I made up so many reasons why I wasn't good enough to run the business, uh, which, you know, now it's like a laundry list. It's, it's quite embarrassing how we talk to ourselves. We talk to our friends with so much more kindness than we talk to ourselves. And I was doing meditation uh, one night and this voice just said, Ashley, get over yourself. You are entertaining playing small by being in your fear zone. And it's actually really selfish because you're robbing so many people of a positive experience and not saying I am the be all and all experience. If people are searching and seeking, they will find it elsewhere. But like, why are you robbing of you being a medium for that? So there was this moment where I realized this is so much bigger than me. Like, get over yourself, get over your little fears and your little self doubts. And from that moment going forward, I'm not saying I haven't had self-doubts. I have them daily, but I close that loop a little bit quicker. I know how to snap myself out of it. I know how to drop into my body and get out of my head. Maybe I'll go for a walk. I'll do a meditation. Meditation definitely helps me with those intuitive hits and those downloads and that self-care and that self-confidence. Um, so that the practice is a big one. That's very powerful. It shows how many years you've poured into connecting with your self-awareness with, I mean, any sort of divine intervention with being willing to believe the unseen and, and, and feel supported even when, you know, you're like, what do I even have to offer? What can I actually create here? It's, it's really inspiring to hear that. So thank you for being so vulnerable to share. You know, you've had self-doubt moments since that you started in those vicious cycles of self-doubt we all get caught up there and we know our listeners do as well. So it's certainly refreshing to hear that, that moment being revealed with something that is now nine years later. So epic for you and, and the people who get to now enjoy what you've created because you were allowing that, to, you know, not, none of that selfishness to kind of get in the way. Right. Um, I'd love to ask, do you feel that this is something you needed? Like, do you feel that Mala Collective and, and the energy that those crystals could provide and, and having a more mindful day and, and, and having a day set with intention that you could carry on for yourself, for your loved ones, is that something you feel you needed? And, and so, and if, if so, do you feel that it helped you craft that vision for your why in your business in if I needed this, if this helped me, then maybe there's someone out there that is experiencing the same. And, you know, maybe what were those things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that you nailed it. That's exactly correct. <laughs> um, I, I became very self-aware that I didn't know a lot about meditation and I thought I was doing it wrong. 
like, oh man, my leg's falling asleep or my stomach's rumbling or I hear a dog or I'm out here wandering and I, I, I heard somebody on the street walk by and then I, I'm supposed to be meditating. I'm the worst meditator on the planet. I should just give up. I'm so bad at this. But I was like, I wonder if other people think that. I wonder if other people think and feel those thoughts. And nine years ago, mind you, meditation wasn't talked about as openly as it is now. It's such an internal experience. And for some reason, we seem to think we're the only person on the planet that screwed something up as bad as we screwed up that day. So we don't share about it. So it's, I, I felt I was really seeking and looking for a normalization of what does mindfulness look like? Do I have to be, you know, this dude with a beard sitting in silence for 30 minutes levitating? Like, I can't do that. <laughs> so what does it look like for me? And how does that fit my life in a way that is, um, realistic and accessible so that was that was kind of the the early on curiosities and that led us from wow these mala beads are so beautiful and that's so cool that these these gemstones have different human qualities other i wonder if other people are looking for a reminder of serendipity i wonder if other people are looking for this reminder of patience and whether or not you believe that the crystals do that for you is it self-fulfilling if you wear a bracelet about patience and you look down at your wrist and you go oh yeah i want to be a bit more patient today so was it the crystal that did it or was it me and i i started having all these thoughts around i can't be the only person thinking this and i can't be the only person wondering are there other tools and practices around mindfulness um, that, that we can bring in. So it became a really fun exploration of going to India, creating these meditation cushions. I didn't do market research. I didn't know what market research was. I had no idea. I just thought, oh, I'd like a cushion. Oh, I'd like to try this. Ooh, and I, I get to play with it all. And I get to play with everything that we make and create. I spend a significant amount of time in Asia. So it was, for me, just my, my dabbling of curiosity, how do we make it aesthetically beautiful? Because then we're more likely to wear it or have it in our homes. How do we make it accessible and easy? Because then I'm more likely to do it. And then how do we merge it in a way that is understandable in North America? So it's, it, it was very much my own learning process manifested into different creations, uh, which it's kind of like the everything we've ever made has been a reflection of my journey. And I don't mean it for me. I mean, oh, this is really cool. And I've never seen somebody do this. And now I'm realizing, oh yeah, a lot of people are thinking this, this is really neat, especially now. And as you said early on, it's more important now than ever. And during COVID, I've noticed, you know, meditation's not just for hippies anymore. It's not this woo-woo thing anymore. Oh, it helps reduce anxiety. How cool is that? Like, oh, it only took nine years for you guys to see it too. I'm so I grateful. I want to be a hippie if that's what it feels like, right? That's <laughs> like up. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I want to know, you, you kind of mentioned how much time you spent in Asia. And I know, you know, just by reading about you and watching, like you, you do travel a lot. And so I love traveling and I, I have this, I actually get tattoos when I travel so that I can kind of have this, you know, souvenir, if you will, just to kind of remember it and have something to take away. And so my question for you is what is, you know, one of, I know you, again, have so many you can probably share, but just thinking of your time there and when you come home, what is like one of the most significant things you've brought home with you, whether it's a mindset or a phrase or a thing mm. or something? Well, that's a good question. Curious. I think actually I will answer it this way. Uh, the travel I do for work is so special and it's so important. Um, but one of the things that I've committed to, um, my partner and I split up about four years ago, well, maybe almost five years now, and a lot of love there, a lot of kindness. I'm so grateful that we got to experience like conscious uncoupling before conscious uncoupling was a, a thing um 
I committed that I would take myself on a really difficult hike overseas every year as a form of walking meditation, as a form of being in my body and not in my head, as a form of pushing myself physically. So the first year I trekked in Bhutan for a week and I did Everspace Camp and I hiked Annapurna. Uh, then I hiked in Japan and this year I'm going to hike Kilimanjaro. And so those moments for me are physically very difficult, but the perspective that I get on those hikes is so awe-inspiring. You know, being uh, at the base of Everest and realizing these mountains came so many years before me and will remain so many years after me. All of those problems I have, P&Ls, cash flow, HR, these emails, getting to inbox zero, they're so insignificant. My life in, in the scope of it is insignificant. What we're doing really is just a blip. So that whole get over yourself, that whole perspective of why don't you have more moments of joy? Why do you, why do you kill yourself over these things? Really, they're not that big of a deal. It's so humbling. It's so humbling. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm working on how to get that humbling and perspective at home and not like having to fly to the Himalayas every year. Uh, but right now I dig it. And that's my, um, my solace every year and working on bringing that, um, those humbling moments home, but just the perspective. I am loving that. It's, there's another girl online that I follow, Angie Fletcher, and she has t-shirts that made that says, we can do hard things. And yeah. so just hearing you say that, I was like, man, setting yourself up for something that is hard is actually one of the biggest teachers sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm just learning, I'm learning, learning, learning. And so I kind of want to ask you to kind of be the teacher. <laughs> I'm wondering if you can go back to like basics 101 and guide me. I want to know what is a mala? Like what yeah, exactly course. is a mala? I know that I think in making a necklace, isn't it 106 beads or something? 108, 108. Yeah. Oh, dang it. Yeah. See, okay. No, you're so close. You're so close. But I'm wondering if you can kind of walk us through, like, what is the significance of a mala? What, why is it 108? What are the great things about cushions? Is there something you learned about a crystal? Um, what is step one for meditation? Like, just any learning. I know that was a lot. One no, answer, I, I one sentence answer per question. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> no, Ashley, I got you. I got you. I'm just like, I'm absorbing everything. So I'm like, I need you to answer all my questions, Ashley. I got it. I got it. It's all here. I can, I can share. Uh, and also, I'm also always learning. I'm taking two meditation teacher trainings and my intuition training right now. I'm, I like soaking up uh, as much as I can. So I don't feel like there's a right and wrong way to meditate. I like to learn as many variations and teachings and approaches as possible because then it removes the shame of me thinking I'm doing something right or wrong. So I can share some ideas and some suggestions, but let's start with the mala. So the mala, there's a tassel and then there's a little bead. Um, yours has um, a pendant on it. Um, but if you see, there's the little round bead there. Um, that's the guru bead. So the guru bead, here, I'll grab mine and show you as well. Um, the guru bead signifies that you've done a full meditation when you go around all 108. So there's the tassel, the guru bead, and 108 beads in this loop. And you'll notice uh, for our malas and, and some other malas out there, it's hand knotted between every bead. And so that's so it can help you turn them in your fingers. So we did not invent malas. Um, they're thousands of years old. What they're meant to do is you turn them in your hand, um, you turn them with your thumb, you do an inhale and an exhale, inhale and exhale. And what I like to do is have a mantra. I'm a big fan of affirmation-based mantras. So I like to inhale, I am, 
And maybe that day I need to feel grounded. And then I'll exhale, grounded. Inhale, I am. Exhale, grounded. Go to the next beat. Inhale, I am. Exhale, grounded. And affirmations help to actually rewire the brain. So when you say it enough times, silently or out loud, uh, you start to truly believe that. And you are grounded. You have that within you. So you're just calling it out in your meditation practice. Um, the cushions, they are, oh, wait, you want to talk about why there's 108. There's, there's so many reasons why 108 is auspicious. Uh, some people believe it uh, has to do with astrology and the moon and the sun and the stars. Some people believe there's 108 energy lines that lead to the heart. Uh, there's so many, I joke, it's not even a good joke, but I say this, there's 108 reasons why 108 is auspicious. So there's, there's so many reasons. And I, again, that's why I don't like the idea of right and wrong in meditation. Um, it's just, a, it's someone's approach, it's someone's belief, and it's not to, meant to be caught up in, because the work is the work. You don't need to, you know, those are details that support it. Um, I'll speak a little bit about the cushions. We make this, these sit sets, there's a round topper and then a flat bottom. You can use a cushion from your couch or a rug, but the idea is having something to elevate your hips, and then it helps your spine to be more straight. If your hips are more open, you can have a flatter cushion. If your hips are a bit tighter, you might want something a bit more elevated. And then having something below your ankles helps uh, prevent your legs from falling asleep. And then the crystals, there's different, you know, I have this really cool quartz orb beside me. Um, so quartz is meant to clear space and clear energy. And I think, you know, I have rose quartz beside my bed. I have labradorite in my meditation space. I think it depends what your intentions are. I think that they are, they're simply, you know, physical manifestations of what your intentions and hopes and dreams are. And if you want to have that in front of you when you meditate, that's great. That can help, you know, hold the space or set up the space for you. Uh, but to be very honest, you need nothing to meditate. You don't need one thing that we make to meditate. You just need your breath. Um, and so we make things if you feel inspired or called to them. If you feel you want a mala to help guide your attention, and your focus, great. But you can do that without it. Uh, you can sit on the ground. You can sit on the couch. You can lay down for meditation. You don't, you don't need anything. Um, so they're there if you need them. I love that you've equipped anybody who does want to take on those offerings and weave it into the fabric of their meditative practice, even if, like some of us, they're beginners. They can find tools to help support them navigate through learning how, and then hopefully eventually letting that be a pretty rock-solid um, addition to how they, you know, go through their day. And, you know, speaking of that, like, I, I know that you've traveled a whole bunch um, to have meditative training so that you can sort of um, help other people find a more accessible way to do that. And, you know, this year has been a doozy. It has been a really, it has just, it's been heavy. There's been quite a bit. And like you said, who knew meditation could help ease anxiety when we're going through all of this. And we've chatted about that on the podcast as well. But I know that a lot of our listeners are like, hey, you know, it's he more hectic than usual. We're home. The kids are home. Um, mm -hmm. Work has been different. Uh, we're not seeing our people as our communities and, and getting that support the way that we normally would. So, you know, there is maybe no such thing as getting back to normal, but rather adapting, pivoting and changing to this new normal. So all of this to say, I mean, these mala beads can be a really great way for you to take that breath that maybe has been sucker punched out of you from this year. What are some of the challenges that you've heard people sharing with you about maybe what's getting in the way of their practice and how can we sort of navigate them to rediscover it, redefine it and, and find their way back when, when things are pretty challenging right now? 
Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that one of the questions, I'll just go through some of the, the frequently asked questions I get because, you know, most people have the same questions. Um, how do I start a practice? Do I do it in the morning? Do I do it at night? Am I doing it wrong? Am I, my mind's wandering? Is that okay? Um, I would say one thing that we have that's such a barrier is we have such an all or nothing mentality that when we start like a meditation challenge, you're like, we're going to meditate every day. I'm going to do this every day. On day three, you stop. You're like, oh God, I'm the worst. I'm not going back. <laughs> and we just give up. And we don't go back on day four. We don't go back, you know, take a couple days and then come back to ourselves. So it's, it really is like, like I mentioned earlier, being kind to yourself on the journey. That might sound a little woo woo or soft uh, advice, but you know, don't get down on yourself. If you miss a day, you're normal. I don't meditate every single day. I incorporate mindfulness into my day to day. I don't, I don't necessarily think about it as much anymore. Um, but I think that it's also like part of my business and part of my my routines now um but i really think once if you fall off that's okay that's fine you're not you're not gonna go to hell you're not a bad person you're not gonna you know burn in the you know in the rain or something you're fine it's it's all good um i think the questions of starting in the morning or doing it at night whatever do whatever one you want <laughs> whatever feels good to you i think that there's we always have so many excuses about my life's really busy i can't do it um, if you make it a priority, then you will make it a priority and you will do it. You can do two minutes, you can do 60 seconds and then just work your way up, do 60 seconds, then do two minutes and then do three minutes. So what one of my teachers, uh, shared a suggestion on making it a routine. So how do we build a habit of meditation? Tie it to something that we already have as a routine in our day. So waking up, hopefully you brush your teeth right away, go meditate right after you brush your teeth. Um, maybe you go put a pot of coffee on or you put the kettle on for tea. Go meditate while it's boiling. Like attach it to something that is already a habit for you and just start small. And when you're doing that practice, for me, I like to have a physical space that I go to every time because then I don't have to think about it, but I don't have to, it's just one more barrier. It's just one more thing to, to make you not want to do it. Well, I want us on the couch. Oh, the couch is messy. I'll do it tomorrow. Okay. Well, if you have a cushion or a pillow on the ground or whatever, a little area, then that's your spot. Just go to it and keep it out so then maybe it guilts you into going and sitting down later in the day if you haven't done it yet. Um, but I always set a timer on my phone and making the alarm on your timer, not the alarm that you wake up to. Uh, so it just eases you out with a little bit more like, kindness. Um, and if you do it at night, that's a really nice way to you know close the day in the morning. Great way to set intentions. So it's, it's up to you. I think that there's going to be resistances in all of our lives. We're all busy and we're all also making our home, our office and daycare and you know the place that we you know have sex the place that we cook the place like it does it's everything now um so just be a little bit gentle on yourself be a little bit easy on yourself uh, and incorporating the practice uh, and know that there's really not a wrong way to do it and if you decide to lay down and do it one of my teachers said he calls it meditation the worst thing that happens is you fall asleep and that's pretty great so there's not you know there's not a wrong approach to it i think just start small have it in an area in your home that you don't have to think about and just go turn it into a routine. And you don't need to think about your technique until you meditate every day for a year. And then you can figure out your technique because thinking about that technique, getting into that analytical mind is one more way of avoiding. And I get it. I'm very, very analytical in my intuition class. I'm driving my teacher nuts because I want a concrete definition of everything she's talking about. I know that's a form of avoidance. One of my teachers in India, um, was saying, you know, the more questions you ask, the more time you're buying, so you don't have to do the task. So the more that we fidget and, you know, ooh, but I don't know how to do this. Ooh, but I don't know how to sit. Ooh, I don't know how to do that. 
those are discomforts, but those discomforts are meant to be worked through. If you're really, really uncomfortable and your legs falling asleep and you can't focus, that's a discomfort. You can move a little bit, but you know, you know, but we're, we're buying time to continue to feel like shit. Why yeah. are we doing that? Cause we're avoidant resistance manifests in so many ways. I, I find it so curious. Like we know we shouldn't procrastinate and yet we do it. And um, I, I still do. Like I still get it. Sometimes I don't want to meditate. And sometimes my entire meditation is I don't want to be meditating, but I'm still sitting there doing it. <laughs> so you have to, you have to overcome the resistance and then you build the habit that the resistance starts to fade. You said at one point in something we read um, that it was a, a goal to make it more accessible and fun. So yeah. that's, I think, maybe where the beads come in to have something that is kind of like a thing that you can do just to kind of get you in the, the habit of it and the cushions. Can you explain that a little bit of what your kind of goal was behind the, the fun, bringing in the fun? Yeah, because I think if it's fun, we're going to keep doing it. And if it's deeply, deathly uncomfortable, we're not going to do it anymore. So I, I always get asked, what hand do I put them all in? Whatever hand's most comfortable for you. How do I sit? How do you feel best sitting? Sit On that way. <laughs> Whatever. However you want to sit, that's how you should sit today. And, you know, I, and I say that lightly because there are ways that you can sit that will support you in different ways. But if that's your block, then just do whatever is easiest because if it's easy, if it's accessible, if it's light and if it's enjoyable, then you're going to keep coming back. And that's not to say if there's a moment that's uncomfortable to stop. That's when you, you know, I don't like the word should, but should keep going. Um, and I, and I do like the idea of the, the fun, lightness, accessibility. We, we provide a lot of guided meditations, a lot of free guided meditations. And I find that really important. Um, you know, we just launched an online course in September on how to start a practice and keep it light, keep it fun, keep it accessible because the work doesn't have to be this heavy, scary thing that we do. And usually when we go, I'm going to do this transformation. I'm going to read this self-help book. I'm going to start a practice. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes a day. It can be 60 seconds, 90 seconds, three minutes, five minutes. Like it can be a small, slow, gradual incline, um, so we can keep it light. We can keep it playful. We can, it can be beautiful. Like I, I find our products so beautiful and that attracts me to them. So then when I'm attracted to them, then I'm reminded to use them. So it's, um, if you buy a mala cause it's beautiful, great. Maybe you'll use it. If you buy a mala cause it's a tool and then you realize you also want to wear it's beautiful. Great. Then maybe it's a conversation starter with somebody. Like I find it interchangeable that, um, I didn't want to have all this hippie granola stuff in my apartment. That's not what I want my home to look like. I want to keep my cushions out because I'm proud of them and I love them. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to have that aesthetic and beauty as part of my life uh, or part of anybody's life. And the more beautiful it is, the more likely I am to have it out. The more I have it out, the more likely I am to use it. So it's, you know, it just becomes this self-fulfilling thing. I would love to ask a question about your practice in terms of full moons. Mm -hmm full moon rituals. Um, this is something I personally do use crystals. I have, um, they've all just been charged from a recent full moon. Um, I find myself allowing, like, I love a good palm stone because it helps me feel grounded. It helps like that, the weight helps support me to feel present and in the moment. And, um, I like to, you know, take the time to sit and write down an intention and, and, what I'm releasing and things like that. But by no means am I any sort of expert. I'm sort of just going with, you know, things I've maybe read online or what feels right to me. So I would love to hear if you have a full moon ritual or practice that you do just, um, you know, this could be a little tool that maybe any of our listeners could 
explore using, you know, crystals for the first time and, and maybe a time they could plan to do it by. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of crying and I uh, love a good cry in a full moon. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing and same. <laughs> no products needed. Just a good bubble bath weeping sesh. I love, love that. That's very healing. Um, you know, I, I can tell you a bit about my morning routine and I would say when it comes to a full moon, full moon, new moon, it's a really great time to release intentions and set new intentions. And that can look like, um, I have a big chalkboard in my apartment. So like I'll, I'll draw a circle and write all the words inside that I want to carry in and write the words outside the circle that I want to release. Um, you know, charging your crystals out in the moonlight, having your mala out and charging it. I think it's, I don't have a strict routine or practice when it comes to the moon cycles, but I do find myself getting very introverted around those times and very reflective. Uh, and I really love journaling. So it just becomes a really beautiful brain dump, a, a beautiful opportunity to reflect on everything I'm grateful for, everything I have, everything that I've done um, and all of the things that I want to do. And I think, you know, as a business owner, we often make time to plan our marketing, plan our cash flow, plan whatever, HR stuff. But how often do we sit and do a strategy reflection session for our life and for our goals and where we're going and what we want, how do we want to feel? And it's, it's great to do that around New Year, but it's also really nice to do that every month or every week or every day. <laughs> so it's, I try to take that time to just reflect and be really gentle, um, not have my phone on, have a bubble bath, just what, what's the most feminine experience I can have for myself right now? It just becomes a really feminine um, self-care experience. That and is crying. beyond beautiful. Yeah. And all of us are, you know, we all were like, we cry too. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're big fans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we all love big to cry. Fan. Big fan. Yeah. Big fan. Sometimes a public cry, you know, oh. I don't know. Love a good public cry too. Yeah. yeah. Good. Oh, we need to be best friends. Now, I'm wondering though, Ashley, the journalist to Ashley, the Mala collective owner, what was the biggest, what, or, or in your reflections, what is the biggest change that you yourself went through or what have you learned when you go back to journalist Ashley? Because we all have these seasons into who you are now, to who you will become. But just reflecting back, what, what have you changed? Who have you become? Ooh, that's a big one. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Well, I think that that underlying, you know, curiosity is one of my values in life. And I think that that underlying thing has ex existed across the board for me. Uh, as a kid, as a journalist, as an entrepreneur. I feel being able to, actually I'll share some of that, maybe like the hard skills from journalism that have gone over to entrepreneurship, but I'm gonna share a reflection on like who I've become. Being able to ask questions and ask the right questions and be able to go into someone's home that you've never met, hear their story and reshare it in a way that is understandable to the masses and accessible and to go and discover something and reshare it. I feel like I get to storytell and share 
practices and meditations, like the two trainings I'm taking right now. I can't wait to synthesize all that information and reshare it in a way that is aligned with how I speak, aligned with my values, aligned with my practices. So I think it's absorbing information, synthesizing and resharing. Um, and I think my voice has my my voice has changed. Oh, I also did radio and I had a horrible radio voice. I don't mean that voice, but I mean, you know, like who I am as a person. There, there's so much, I feel so humbled and so much empathy and so much gratitude throughout the day, being able to hear the stories of the people's lives that we get to be a part of. Uh, when people say, you know, this, this mala helped me through a sex change. It helped me through divorce. It helped me through an abusive relationship. It helped me move across the country. It helped me, whatever. I thought, wow, that's so cool. Uh, there's just this really humbling experience. This is so much bigger than me. And, um, that's that's a unique that I, I feel like I'm just a medium that's actually I'm just a medium for something else that's way bigger than me and maybe that's also how I felt in journalism I'm just a medium for somebody else's message um but I was doing I was in a meditation retreat a couple of weeks ago and I'm a really big fan of doing these visualizations where you meet past present future versions of self and we had to go back in time to meet somebody and I met my younger self and I I walked into like 12 year old Ashley's room and my walls were like bright yellow and periwinkle and I had those like Ikea squiggly mirrors and I had a huge disco ball and like this is like peak Mariah Carey so I was like blasting Mariah Carey jamming around my room dancing and I walked in um and I sat down with her and I said hey guess what we're gonna do with our lives we're gonna go on meditation retreats, we're gonna go to Nepal, we're gonna to go to India, we're gonna to go to Bali, we're gonna learn meditation, we're gonna do all this cool hippie stuff, we're gonna we're gonna be a boss and we're gonna be in charge of like so much stuff. And all, all these things came pouring out that I don't often sit down and recognize as accomplishments because oftentimes, you know, the bar keeps moving, the bar keeps moving, the bar keeps moving. How often do I really celebrate? And that's kind of where that full moon ritual comes in of like taking a moment to celebrate and be grateful. Um, but as I was saying this, where she was, oh my God, we're so cool. You're so cool. And it was this moment of absolute reflection of, well, I'm only here because you're so beautiful and you're so cool and your heart is so big and you're so curious. So all of these, all of these little things that little Ashley carried through her life and habits and um, questions and weaknesses and softnesses and strengths they all have manifested into this and it was it was such an emotional meditation experience because as much as i reflect on you know how far i've come and what i've done i don't really sit down and go hey ashley you did it way to go <laughs> like you nailed it it really is there's so much left to do and i am still i i do compare myself still i still have that those moments and I was really chasing recently, like one day I'll reach this point. One day I'll reach this point of success. One day I'll become this, I'll become this, I'll become this. And this mantra just kept coming up. I am that, I am that, I am that. I am all that I'm seeking already. I am all of these things that I wanted to become. I am all of this that I'm looking for. And seeing 12-year-old Ash made me realize, oh yeah, I am. My 12-year-old me was so stoked for me. Why can't I be so stoked for me? Why can't I just absolutely love the heck out of where I am and what I'm doing? And so I, I, I am in deep gratitude of where I am now and the person I've become. And I also can't wait for the person I'm becoming. And, um, and I've done the meditations where future me looks at me now and says, I love you and you're doing so great. So it's, um, 
yeah, I don't know. It's every, every version of self. Yeah, it's, no, but I hope that answered awesome, the question. That felt like a ramble, but. What an awesome thing you got to experience because you took that break mm -hmm. and said this, maybe journalism isn't where I'm supposed to be going. And like, now you get to like have that experience of going back to your younger self and your older self coming, like, mm -hmm. wow. Thank you, really, for sharing that because I can't imagine how humbling and crazy and just personal it was to even go through that, you know? I want to go into, we have a segment on our podcast called Ready, Set, Grow, and we challenge our followers and we ask our guests to do this when they come on to challenge our followers to kind of do something this week that's going to make them grow mm. even just a little bit something and we implement this as well and we share it on our social media and things like that so if you could give our listeners mm. and us one homework assignment or one challenge to just implement this week what would it be hmm I feel like guys are d doing a meditation is like the easy answer here but I'm going to share one thing outside meditation that has completely changed my life. It's my gratitude practice. So that my morning routine is writing out for 10 minutes gratitude and 10 minutes of reflective journaling every morning, no matter where I am, you know, maybe six days a week. I'm not gonna say every single morning because I'm human. I miss some days. Um, but I've noticed I've been doing it for a year and a half and I was working with a coach and he was saying, this is what the most successful CEOs do. This is what the most successful people in the world do. I'll let you know a little secret. And he told me that the 10, 10, and 10, 10 minutes of gratitude, 10 minutes of reading, 10 minutes of reflection. And I was like, mm, no, I don't believe you. That doesn't sound like a big enough secret, <laughs> but I'll do it. Uh, fine, I'll try it. And a year and a half later, I saw him. I was like, yeah, that, that was the most powerful shift I've ever experienced. My language is more aware and in tune with gratitude and with abundance and with possibility. And I express it more to baristas, to people I don't know, to my team, to my family. So it's, it's shifted my attitude towards so many things. Uh, so just simply writing out what you're grateful for. And if you have a block, just start writing. I'm grateful for this table. I'm grateful for this pen. I'm grateful for this paper. And then once the words start flowing, you know, things flow to you. Uh, but I think it's, you know, especially in times like this, when it's uncertain, when it's unknown, we don't know what's coming next. And it feels, um, you know, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of darkness to realize what we do have in our life is such a powerful uh, tool and so humbling and so beautiful to realize how abundant we are in so many ways. Oh, Ashley, that was so powerful. You mentioned mm. 10 minutes of gratitude, 10 minutes of reading and 10 minutes of reflection. Everyone, mm. I'd love for you to note she didn't say go out there and meditate for an hour. She didn't say go out there and read one book a week. She didn't say go out there and, you know, gratitude for a hundred straight days. She just said, let's do 10 minutes a day of this. Mm -hmm. and, and you did mention anxiety. I mean, I know that people are online now more than ever. And some people spend, me included, us included, spend more than 10 minutes scrolling social. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So this is such a doable Ready, Set, Grow challenge. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I can't wait to compare notes with all the girls because <laughs> we have all been like tick, 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 taking notes as you're talking. And I, I can see a bright future, obviously for you. Um, I have been so shifted right now. Like I, I'm lost for words, but I really want you to share with everybody just as we're closing out, how do people connect with you? What do you offer? Mala Collective, just give us all the goods. Oh, thank you. 
well, we, you can find us at Mala Collective on Instagram or on social. Um, and we're a small team and we read every message and we absolutely love and adore receiving messages from people. It's so meaningful to us. Um, I am in the process of writing a book right now and in the process of like this whole overcoming fears and playing small thing, I'm in the midst of it right now. So as much as I was sharing for your listeners, it's also for me <laughs> to remind myself to do these things. Um, I have a deep fear of making my Instagram public and it's one of my accountabilities this quarter. And I know this, it sounds so silly and superficial and vain, but I'm, I'm very private. And I, uh, after I just talked to you for an hour, very openly, but I mean that in a sense, of I'm quite private about my life and I'm, I'm trying to step into this new version of self where I'm just a bit more open and I share a bit more and, um, I've started coaching people on the side just for fun. And um, that's also been very humbling to realize like, oh yeah, I do know a lot of things. I have experienced, I have failed at all phrases. I have failed at so many things that you guys don't need to fail at them. <laughs> I will happily share all my scripts uh, and normalize the entrepreneurial journey and the meditation journey. And um, so that, that's kind of the journey I'm on right now. So it's it's in the works and it's um, it'll be on Mala Collective when I when we we start doing all that kind of work. But that's that's my 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 growing challenge right now is um, leveling up personally in that way. And it's taking every tool I've learned the past nine years to apply it to self. <laughs> well, I um I will be first in line to buy your book. I will tell you that. And I will, yeah, with these other two girls, we will be there to support anything that you put out into the world. We understand and sympathize with your struggles with social media. We struggle with it also. Um, and you guys, this has just been one of the most uplifting, like when we all got on, there was such a high vibe, great energy. Ashley, you brought it. We are completely changed. Notes are taken. So guys, implement the Ready, Set, Grow 10, 10, and 10 we are going to this week. And Ashley, you'll be hearing from us. We'll tag Mala Collective. We'll tag you. Your, your Instagram is about to blow up. Okay. <laughs> and guys, if you like this episode, please share it, tag us. Let's put the rad and radical in all of your 10, 10 and 10 ready, set grows. And let's go live beyond ourselves and get out of our own way. Thank you, Ashley.